0: Spoke Media.
1: Okay. So, confession that's not really a confession, because this is my confessional, so you already know it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So just like reconfession. Um, I have realized that I have actually been super brave about like, I'm going to make work and I'm braver as a writer than I am as a daughter, whatever. And over the past four years, the thing I run up against and smack I face into again and again is that I'm still really afraid to look at my dad character and maybe make some calls about who he was, what I might have meant to him, and what he maybe means to me. All right.
2: Carson here. Jan here too. But mostly me because I want to interrupt. I think we need to stop right here. (laughs) Don't even get to the sparkles. No, no, no. No No questions. No themes. Radical edit from Carson McCain. We're stopping right now. So Jan and I always sit down in the booth and do a thing we call the pre-brief. So in this pre-brief, we defined character development, what we thought it might be, you know, looking at Janiel's dad as a full human being. What are his... Contradictions, what are the things he cared about? What are his motivations for doing things? Which, as you might imagine, could be really painful for Jan. So in this pre-brief, Janielle and I concocted a game, which <laughs> as you also might remember, is a way of protecting us from looking at the pain. Us from pain.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The royal us. The royal us. <laughs> the royal us. The from
2: kind pain. way to look at that. Mm. Uh and that's why I don't think we can start this episode here. This episode hasn't been working. We've gone through, like, several iterations Yeah, we're of on it. version four right now. It's not really working. And I argue that that's because you weren't ready to look at your dad as a full character in this pre-brief. I think you were ready to look at your dad as a full character the next day. You texted me in the morning and said, can we hop in the booth first thing We came here. It was just you and I. We sat down and that's what I'm going to play for us. That's where I want to start this episode. Welcome to Untitled Dad Project. It's chapter six, character development. the scene we had finished the pre-brief on character development and Janielle and i went home jan had some homework where she was supposed to pull out the uh, relevant papers so we could use them in our udp artwork and she was on a mission to find that birthday card the one that was labeled dad slash rick so the next morning she asks to hop in the booth first thing
1: here i found this and i've been in a weird funk about it ever since okay open this up and read it please Okay. So it's a uh, blue envelope. So there's a little envelope inside and it says on the front. It says
2: there's a there's a white envelope inside the blue envelope and it says, send me a picture wearing the results um, with an exclamation point, uh, signed Rick.
1: And that was presumably inside There's was a card, like a gift card somewhere, like to like the gap, I think. And it was like a, pretty large increment like a hundred bucks which feels like so much oh yeah because this was sent in 2006 so it was when i was 16 um oh my gosh yeah so this is the last correspondence i have from him so there's a note inside too that i Janielle slash carol i sent this to your old address lost
2: the letter that you sent way before christmas they didn't forward it saying that the forwarding time had expired anyhow merry christmas merry late christmas dad
1: slash rick okay so it wasn't a birthday card.
2: Mm.
1: It was a late Christmas present. And listen to that message. He's like working so hard to tell us that he didn't miss Christmas. Yeah. Um and then also he had, I for, for I, got, I don't know why I remembered it as a birthday card. Cuz cuz it was really late Christmas, so it was right before my birthday. Yeah. So I guess I was thinking of it as that. But he like I don't know. I'm feeling like I I Like, do I remember everything wrong? Because it wasn't my birthday. It was uh, a late Christmas thing. And, like, he sounds so, like, oh, my gosh, I would have gotten this to you earlier. Like, kind of really considerate. Mm -hmm. Like, that note sounds really considerate, right? Yeah. And then he says, send me pictures with the results, which I don't remember ever doing. And so, like, what if he was waiting to hear back from me? And I never responded to that. And that's why he stopped talking to me. Like, I I never sent him photos, because that would have been, like, weird. This was a man I, like, I don't think I had heard from him in many, several years at this point. But I don't know, like, what if in his mind this was, like, Mia Thermopolis and her distant dad, who sends her presents every so often, and everything's fine, and I never responded to his message, and that's, like, why he went quiet for, and then died? Um. I, I. I feel like I'm crazy. I don't remember him caring, but this kind of sounds like he cares, right?
2: It, it does. It sounds like, like, it sounds like he cared that you got this.
1: Yeah, and I never responded. But I don't
2: think that that, I mean, the thing that it's, the thing that I think we've said over and over is, that, like, it's not your job. It wasn't your job. You deserved a dad who showed up, even if you didn't send pictures, because it is kind of weird. It is kind of weird.
1: But here's—but that has a return address. It doesn't have his, like, condo or apartment number, but it has, like, the building number. Yeah. And I guess I just hadn't realized, like, I had his building number. I just always thought he could come find me, and he never did, but— I could have sent something back. I could have sent a thank you note. I could have... I guess I'm just wondering, like, did I flatten everything in my grief? Like, did I PDF everything down to a much simpler thing? That is, my dad abandoned me and didn't care about me and didn't tell anyone about me. But did he, like, care about me? And, and like, kind of try to reach out in his way and and that I never sort of reciprocated and so he just eventually tapered off? Like...
2: I mean, I don't, I don't think so because the whole—what he says versus what he does, right? Like, he said, send me a picture of the results, and he said, I wanted to get this to you before Christmas, and I didn't. And I'm—you know. Yeah. He doesn't really say he's sorry, but, like, he says Merry Christmas, and—but that doesn't change the fact that he still abandoned you. Yeah. Like, that—this was 10 years before he died. Yeah. A grown man does not hold a grudge. Yeah. Or shouldn't hold a grudge that you didn't send a photo of something you got at the Gap.
1: Yeah. I get. Yeah. Yes. Okay. If I'm thinking of him as a larger character, I guess I didn't realize that allowing for the fact that he might have also been like a kind of thoughtful, sweet guy would also just hurt so bad. I didn't think about that part. I didn't expect it. Um, I didn't expect finding out or realizing that my dad might be kind of also capable of great love uh, would hurt so bad. Why does that hurt so bad? I guess because it's something else I lost. Yeah. Maybe I could have had, like, a fourth of a good dad. (laughs) Instead of none at all. Like, maybe he wanted to know me, too. Why hadn't I thought of that till now? (laughs) What if he would have been thrilled to hear from me when I sent him an email? What if he would have been so happy to know me before he died? (laughs) Why didn't I think of that? (laughs) It really could have been easier if he was just an asshole. Maybe he was an asshole who really would have loved to hear from me. I never responded or never reached out. I wish so badly I would have tried something.
2: I just, like, when I read this, I just wish he would have tried something because like I think everything you're saying is true and I think this does sound like a man who probably would have liked to know you and maybe he would have been thrilled to get an email from you um, but he's a man who googled you and you're not hard to find yeah i'm not hard to find at all i'm the only me on facebook yeah and i i think i want to give validation to everything you're feeling because like it is an immense loss and an immense regret and also like he might have been thrilled to hear from you but he's still enough of A bad dad that he didn't take the initiative. And I think that was still his
1: responsibility. Yeah. Are you saying that we don't need more blame in the story? Yeah. What I do think is useful is like maybe considering things about this man that I might have missed. I might have missed some stuff. Well, people are are a lot more painful to reckon with than, like, concepts. And just flat-out irresponsible narcissists are a lot easier to understand than, like, people who are capable of, like, putting this much thought into a little message. Mm -hmm. I also just, like, can I figure out my story if I remember stuff wrong? Yeah, you can. But can I, though? Yeah. What if I'm wrong about my own life and so many and what I've seen? I don't know that it matters. How so? Because just
2: like we talked about with Robert and your mom, a story isn't what happens; it's
1: how it happens. Okay, so what? What the card I might have misremembered, but the how it impacted me, I remember. Yeah, which is, I felt like, oh, this guy's popping into my life and he's doing it in a way that makes it seem like this is normal Mm -hmm. and it wasn't and i didn't ever know if he if or when he was gonna show up those things that
2: you're saying right now your experience of this is far more important to the truth of your story than the fact that this was an actual christmas card you know he also he doesn't apologize in this note he doesn't say sorry he says this is what happened and anyway merry christmas
1: yeah, this card is, like, both super thoughtful and super invalidating at the same time. It's both, like, I'm a thoughtful dad and also, slash, I'm not going to explain any of why I'm not in your life. You're welcome, Rick. Yeah. Hmm. The both andness of, like, being a person. People are so confusing like if you think someone's worthy of your attention at Christmas and they're giving a gift and you think they're worth an explanation for why it's late why wouldn't you think they were worth telling people about or like talking to or explaining yourself to or making yourself known to it's really confusing. I understand that his behavior doesn't dictate my worth. I just find that disorienting. And I'm just a different kind of sad today. And I wish I had known him, and I wish he had known, made himself known to me.
2: Janielle, I think this is where we actually start. I think before, maybe, you still wanted to play this game um, that would have protected you from the pain. And after, I think you were ready to look at the painful parts, the parts that might have been good about your dad, that might have m- meant you missed out.
1: Yeah, I th- thought of this, like, interruption as kind of like a regression like I, I turned back into this little creature that th- thinks they're responsible for their dad's absence. Mm. But I don't think it was a regression. I think it was an integration. Word you've given me of a new kind of loss, which is if you don't look at some of the good parts of somebody or or the stuff that you miss, um, you're missing out on some of your real loss. But you're also um, missing out on some potential gain.
2: Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back.
1: Now that I actually feel quite motivated to know my dad as a multifaceted character, the next hurdle is that's really hard to do because I have such limited information about him, so a few memories about him, and he's no longer alive. So we're going to rely on what other characters say about my dad, and we're going to rely on the box of my dad's things that I inherited after he died, and hopefully through words and objects we can get new dimensions on him. I want to start this exploration with the first interview I ever did with my mom, actually, before we get to my dad's friend. Way before we ate grapes on my mom's couch or I'd talk to any experts. It was a month or so after my dad's funeral, and I had not gone to therapy yet. (laughs) I was hardcore in coping mode, and I had just decided that I wanted to make something. And this is the first conversation that I properly recorded. Okay, can you hear me? Testing one, two, three. Can you hear me? Properly recorded is a loose term. I had just bought mics on Amazon, and Carson, you hadn't joined me on this project yet. No. So I just set them up myself. Okay, so this is the normal level that we would talk? Okay. Just like talk, talk, talk? Talk, 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 talk. And we went through a folder labeled Carol Kastner that was found in my dad's possessions. Inside of it are a ton of cards that were sent from my mom on baby me's behalf.
3: Number one dad, did we send that to him? I need you to read this card, because... Dad, God sure must love you a lot to have given you someone like me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> was that, like, the most passive-aggressive thing you've ever said? <laughs> no, I didn't mean it passive-aggressively. My mom swears that she didn't pick these cards and Bible verses passive-aggressively. There was just a limited selection in the church bookstore. I don't even remember doing all this. did Look at all these. He saved every single one.
3: It's just so—yeah. yeah It was just good to know he saved it. The just man walketh in his integrity. (laughs) It was so hard to find a card, Danielle. So this one, it was like, ta-da, happy Valentine's Day to the world's best dad.
1: (laughs) First giant dash of nuance I want to consider as we think about my dad character. There is something in him that was compelled to keep all of these cards. What would you call that? A softness? A tenderness? Whatever it is that wanted him to keep these cards in this manila folders, maybe the same thing that wanted a photo of me and my old Navy gift card purchases. There's some some tenderness, some desire that made him save all this. Whatever that tenderness is, it is real. It is not bigger than his choice to not be in my life, but it is real and it is complicated next to that choice.
3: It's just- I just, Rick was just um, a, what do you say where there's uh, not a paradox, maybe a mystery. I, I can't, the word I'm thinking of is just escapes me, but Rick was oh. kind of like a a mystery to me. I think one time he said he was ashamed that he didn't have a job, so he would stay away. I, I don't know. I think that was part of it, that he, because he couldn't provide and he couldn't, he couldn't do it all the way. Um, what's her name? Um, she said, Rick is the kind of person, if he couldn't do it all the way, he wouldn't the right do it. way, he wouldn't do it at all.
1: Yeah. but is really funny, though. He
3: though, too. But then,
1: like, wasn't that exactly what we saw in me when, like, I was going to reach out to him, but I wanted to do it perfectly? Oh, how interesting. So I kept putting it off, and I kept putting it off, and I didn't want to, like— you were like, it's it's Father's Day. Reach out to him. I was like, I'm not gonna just like call him on Father's Day. Like, I want to send him like a really thoughtful email. And like, I was like, don't worry, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it for like six months. And, but I didn't want to do it unless I could do it perfectly. You know, I just I just wonder if that perfectionism if I got that from him. Perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps. In a classical story structure, you talk about a protagonist's hubris, which is their fatal flaw, and it's usually almost always related to their pride. And I think my dad character and I have the same hubris. I know the desire for perfection and excellence that is so uh, palpable in your body that when you screw up, you're filled with all this shame that just washes over you. So then you decide, well, of course you have to fix it, but you have to fix it perfectly and excellently and you'll definitely fix it better and more thoughtfully later and then it's later and then more later happens and so much time has gone by that now you better fix it even more perfectly to make up for all the time that's gone by and you can't and the shame is eating you alive and meanwhile there's just a person out there in the world who while you're in your shame spiral of 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 hoping that you can eventually be perfect they're just wondering like where did you go you just left me hanging i know that exact feeling Well, and when I think about a thing that I have failed and I haven't fixed yet, like a text that I haven't replied to, and I I know it's in my phone and I remember it all of a sudden while I'm washing dishes, the shame that washes over me, it's like the back of my neck down into my belly and then it lodges back up in my throat. And I want us just to imagine for a moment if that text message we hadn't sent was a human child. What must that have felt like when my dad thought about me when he was washing dishes? And I know now that the freedom from all of that shame cycle is not in being perfect and better later. It's in being completely honest about where I am now. But I did not know that then. My mom and I talk about it, what I would have said, and I am full hubris. It would have been perfect, you guys. It would have been noble. It would have been honorable. It would have been excellent. The biggest regret I have is that he never will never know that I wasn't angry at him. Mm-hmm. I had no anger towards him. I have a beautiful life. And I have a wonderful family. And I have amazing friends. And I, I walk through the world glad that I exist in it. I don't walk through the world sort of believing that my life could have been better had this man had provided for me or been a part of my life. You know, it wasn't that at all. And I just wanted to sort of take a weight off of him. I want to, like, gently hug and throttle past me. Like, she feels all this pain that she didn't let him off the hook. That seems so noble, doesn't it? I want to shake her and be like, we're not that noble. We have anger towards this man. Like, God bless, I believed that. Yeah, you did. And I, I wasn't ready to forgive him. I still now am barely ready to forgive him. What was I thinking? You know what this is? I think this was me trying on a story. What if my story is, my life was fine without him and everything was great. And I'm actually doing amazing, you guys. But I do have this searing remorse and regret in my belly that I don't know how to explain. And it's opened up and it's going to swallow me whole. That must be remorse and regret that I didn't let him off the hook. And I never sent it somewhere around that email. And so that's probably it.
2: Yeah, I have deep pain, and it was that I didn't tell him that I didn't have any pain.
1: Yeah. I can hear past Jan equating not being sad as being safer and better and nobler, as if the anger and the sadness were something that we wouldn't even consider that we have, because we're happy. We have a wonderful life, right? Oh, and now I'm painfully aware that the whole point of my story is that a wonderful life can contain tremendous sadness and pain. Wow. That was the first draft of this story. Thank God we've been revising it. One more nuance about my dad character and then we can move on from my mom. I didn't apparently just inherit his hubris. I also got another quality. That's him laughing. He had a beautiful laugh.
3: He had a beautiful, deep, hearty laugh. And when you were like, gosh, you were just a few months old or something, this deep, hearty laugh came out of you. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) Sounded (laughs) just
1: like him. There are a lot of things we're learning about the connection I have, Jan character, to her dad character. Adder may be tricky and gnarly and needs some. Examining and conquering or whatever. But when all that is said and done, this is just a nice one for free. You inherit someone's pain, but you also maybe get their laugh. That part's nice.
2: Let's take a break here for some ads, and when we come back, we're gonna talk to one of Dad character's friends about the Rick he knew.
1: The next place I want to look to figure out what other characters say about my dad character is an interview I did with Charlie. He's an old sailing friend of my dad's. Charlie's actually one of the people who checked up on my dad and realized that he had died at his apartment. And Charlie's the person who cleaned out my dad's apartment afterwards. So I inherited my dad in a box because Charlie went through all of his stuff. Apparently his apartment was floor-to-ceiling stuff and sorted out what could be thrown away versus what might be sentimental, put it in a box, and gave it to me at a coffee shop. Charlie's the only one of my dad's friends that I interviewed, and it was such a big deal to me. It took me forever to email him, but I finally did, and we sat down at my house, me uh, pretty nervous and scared, him cool as a cucumber, and really prepared. I'm trying to find the list of questions I sent you.
0: Would you like me to give it to you? Because I brought it with me. Did
1: you print it out?
0: I did, and I I triple-spaced it.
1: (laughs) You're so prepared. I really appreciate that you took the time to do that and took the time to meet with me. I know this is kind of an odd request but I appreciate you being Not really. Thinking about that terror I felt has made me realize how much I've changed since I sat down to do this interview with Charlie. I was so scared to talk to him because I now realize I wasn't just asking, like, what was my dad like? I was asking all these questions underneath those questions, which were like, can you give me any facts about my dad that can give me answers for why did he abandon me? And Will any of these new pieces of information you have about him give me answers or an explanation or some kind of closure? And that's so unfair. I now realize that none of my dad's friends can give me that. Like, they don't have answers. They have a series of anecdotes that contain within them information about my dad character. I was also afraid of sitting down with Charlie because I was um, terrified of that violent thing my dad's friend's version of him as this great guy and their inability to acknowledge that he abandoned me. But I now no longer feel like it's a zero-sum game. Like, here we are, four years into this, and I am real. And my pain is real. And I am legitimate. And his friend's narratives don't have the power to invalidate mine anymore or make me any less real. And here I am, with the information I need to be able to hold a space for earlier me, who just thinks at any moment someone's gonna have an answer for her that could destroy her or could heal her. And no one has the answer. And there actually is no answer. She's just gonna start to heal. Huh. What a small miracle. Anyway, here's the Charlie interview. <laughs> <laughs> But for real, though, for real, what I want to do is I want to listen to this interview with Charlie as a person who has information about my dad, kind of no more, no less. I also have all the stuff, or my favorite things of the stuff that Charlie saved for me in the box of my dad's things. So I thought we could go through them as we look through the Charlie interview for um, information about my dad character. Or I guess we can call him Rick character. We can just call him Rick. I think we call him Rick. Okay, the first thing (laughs) about Rick. Rick was a sailor.
0: (laughs) When we were sailing together, sailor. He worked to sail. Really wonderful sailor. A-level sailor. Typical sailing type stuff.
1: Charlie talks so much about sailing. Unrelated questions,
0: some of them deeply
1: emotional to me, all lead back to sailing. Everything. What was something that you knew he would go on about if... Well,
0: aside from sailing... Mm -hmm. um,
1: Charlie tells me about his late ex-wife, who grew really close to Rick through sailing. Charlie would try to take his ex-wife out on his own boat, but she didn't like being bossed around by her husband, and she'd
0: say... Well, you're not very good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She said, he's much better. (laughs) He always wins. And I said, well, that's Rick. I said, he's a good friend of mine. Why don't you go talk to him? You can go sail with him. And she did, and it was just the most perfect... Relationship. I mean, she was the sponge for learning, and he was a great teacher.
1: Yeah.
0: And they had so much fun, and they beat us um, <sighs> all the time.
1: You get this picture of Rick as this just precise, excellent perfectionist who could command a ship and boss someone around, but they wouldn't mind because they were killing it.
0: And she she laughed about it. In fact, he was so precise on all this stuff. And this boat is is a very difficult boat to sell to what sail. It? A shield. Shields. one design. I mean, he's got a national championship in this mm-hmm. boat, which is a big deal for somebody from a lake.
1: So I've got this box full of his sailing trophies, and I don't know if I picked the most prestigious or valuable ones, but I selected the coolest looking ones. This one's a big sailor, the old man of the sea, the nineteen eighty one regatta. He got fourth. Rick Tears, Blitz Crew in 1970. 1990, Shields Fall Regatta. So he got second. I would have been maybe like eight to ten months old. I don't know anything, but the trophies are really cool. The trophies are beautiful. I went through and picked all the prettiest ones, and now they're just sitting around my house. And if people ask me about them, I say, oh, my dad was a sailor, and he won all these. It's just kind of nice. Yeah. The next thing I learned from Charlie, Rick was fun. Charlie's late ex-wife liked to get Rick and Charlie and all their friends together.
0: She was a collector of, as she called it, difficult, entertaining men, which <laughs> Rick certainly fit into that category. And she, she liked to cook, so we used to get together pretty often during the week. And, you know, she'd cook a roast or something like that, drink lots of wine, and, you know, we also smoked Pot a fair amount. My
1: dad smoked pot? Oh, yes. A lot?
0: Well, he would when he was with us.
1: Oh my God, that's so great. <laughs> like, what was he like when he was high?
0: Oh, he's hilarious.
1: Really? How <laughs> so? He, he, he
0: christened the device Dr. Bong.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: And we just, you know, I can still see him just coughing, <laughs> um, you know, trying to keep up with Pat. And stuff and it was just it was a very very happy thing the whole
1: and so this a dimensional snapshot of my dad I just didn't think this was gonna be a part of it just him with his buddies around a pot roast smoking pot having a oh I hope they called it like a pot roast ah that, if not that was a missed opportunity with dr bong yeah he just seems like a kind of fun a difficult entertaining man how how was well, how was my dad a difficult entertainer? man? Well, I mean, man? there
0: was no lack of opinions in the group, okay. and expressing them—it was this was not a bunch of shrinking violets.
1: What was um, my dad really passionate about, or what? What was something that you knew he would go on about?
0: If well, aside from sailing, mm-hmm. um, the other thing was art, which always surprised me. Mm. Very interested in all that, and he, in fact, when she and I came back to Dallas, he was always trying to get us to go to various art things. And that's kind of when I found out about, about his mom.
1: So his mom, Ruth Tears, is like a kind of famous oil pastelist. Isn't that cool? I love I have, it. I have, so you can see here this. Do you see Jenny? Oh, yeah. Oil by Ruth Tears? So, this is a, a tiny picture of this giant painting I, I inherited. It's not a painting, it's a, a vinyl replica of a painting because mm-hmm. it got, it was inducted into the permanent collection at the Dallas Museum of Art, this painting. And so, there's like a replica that my dad had that I wonder if they made or he made. It's stunning.
2: It's beautiful. And like, gosh, you can tell, she just understands how fabric
1: moves. Yeah, her paint is gorgeous. Yeah. I like that I belong to this fabulously talented woman.
2: I'm glad that this gets to be part of, like, the legacy left.
1: Yeah, she has all these, um, there's an envelope uh, that's called Ricky, of my dad, posed in all these, kind of begrudgingly posed. Just has the look of, like, a teenage boy who doesn't want to be doing this, but he's posed on a stool in her studio, similar to other subjects she has photos of that she then turned into paintings. And, you know, she made art out of Rick. So maybe he'd forgive me that I'm making art out of Rick. Yeah. Maybe he's he's used to his mom doing that, and now his daughter's doing it. She's so talented. We should go to the DMA and see if we can find it. I mean, it's tucked away. The permanent collection isn't, like, on display. Yeah. Maybe they'd let us look at it. That would be—we should really do that. Maybe I could say, I'm Ruth Tears' granddaughter. That'd be kind of cool to say. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool to say. I've never said that before. I've never heard you say it before. (laughs) That would be a cool thing to say. It's like when people get married and they use their new married name for the first time, it would be kind of cool to use my, like, I'm Rick Tears' daughter name for the first time somewhere. (sighs) Carson, am I a difficult, entertaining woman? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Am I really? Yes. (laughs) That's great. I get that from him. Yeah. How interesting. Uh, Did Rick talk about his mom at all? Her art making?
0: A little bit, not a whole lot. Um, More about his dad. I knew that his dad, and I don't know whether you know this, but he was on the Manhattan Project.
1: Rick's father was an engineer who was apparently really intelligent, intelligent enough to work in the Manhattan Project, which you've got to be smart to get that gig. And he was an award-winning, record-holding chess player. I did some Googles. He played Bobby Fischer. He lost, but he still played him. That's incredible. So he's like a very smart, meticulous dude.
0: So I knew that he was a pretty phenomenal intellect, and his mom was a successful painter. I'm going, well, that's an interesting genetic
1: hmm.
0: background. How did you see going that? Going in his head.
1: How did you see that? Did Rick seem to you as somebody who was like a kind of genius?
0: Or? Oh, yes, absolutely. In what I mean, the way? whole, well, the whole, I mean, to read wind and stuff and to know. The depth of his sailing knowledge, I mean, it just really, his dad got him into that big time. Mm. But Rick got better than his father very quickly. I mean, mm. he's, he was truly gifted at it, and it's a very difficult business.
1: And if you can't do it well, or can't do it perfectly, don't do it at all. I wonder if Rick inherited this from his parents who were excellent. A meticulously talented painter, a genius chess-playing engineer, bomb-building father. He comes from people who are excellent, and sailing is the one thing he does excellently. He does perfectly. And so it becomes his whole life.
0: He worked to sail. Mm. I mean, some people live to work, other people work to live. He definitely was in the work to live mode. Mm. That was what he liked. You know, frequently had money issues with the people that he worked for and the and data you know, for IBM and various other things. But it was, his focus was that hobby.
1: As Charlie was talking about my dad's lack of interest in work and complete dedication to sailing, I asked him a question that definitely had a bigger question behind it. Is it really expensive to be a sailor?
0: Oh my God, yes.
1: Yeah? I remember having like a weird feeling in the back of my throat when I asked that question. Because the the question behind the question i'm actually asking here that i know charlie is not picking up at all is so if he wasn't paying child support was he finding ways to pour buckets of money into this hobby and making sure that he didn't have to show up in court so it did never end up supporting me that's the question i'm asking behind this question and Charlie's not picking up. Not picking that up. He he does explain though that my dad um like wasn't somebody who was pouring buckets of money into this. He wasn't like a millionaire participating in a millionaire's hobby. He was like on people's crew and Charlie doesn't think my dad ever actually owned a boat. He just borrowed other people's boats. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I remember being really angry about this answer. Because even if he wasn't independently wealthy, like Didn't own a boat. He still chose to put his money there. Or his
1: time. Yeah. His resources.
2: And Zoom out, he chose to invest in the thing he could do perfectly. As opposed to the thing that maybe he was, he had
1: some shame attached to. Yeah. That sounds like a person to me. It feels like two scenes next to each other. And you can feel so much anger at the man who's sailing when he could be supporting you. And you can also enjoy the hell out of how big his smile is when he's on that damn boat. Yeah, hmm. that tension is starting to feel more like... How, what am I trying to say? What is it? The tension's not gone. Is the tension? Is the tension gone? I don't know that like the tension is gone, but I'd
2: say that maybe the discomfort in, with the tension is gone.
1: Mm. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's a tension that feels awfully human. Hmm. It's a tension that no longer feels like it's trying to destroy me. Back to Charlie, I ask him, if he was making a film and casting a Rick character, what would he tell the actor portraying him? What is essential to getting Rick right?
0: Nobody in a room who met him would forget him. Hmm. Would never happen. Very polite, very gentlemanly, very interesting to talk to, would seek people out who were not terribly talkative. And... His laugh is probably the most infectious thing of them all. Hmm. I mean, you, in this question, it's like, you know, what do you, what's something characteristic you remember? Well, it's that one. His laugh? Preceded by a look.
1: What was the look?
0: It was kind of an arched look, and then he'd look sideways and just do that laugh at his that you could hear <laughs> all the way across the ground. What,
1: what, did, it, what did it sound like?
0: It was like, ha, 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 ha. I mean, just a real honest belly laugh that would just go on. And you just, you could not help but laugh, even if you were the butt of the joke. He would have enjoyed you very much.
1: You think so? Oh, yeah. How so?
0: I mean, just if he could have gotten you out on a sailboat, I think he would have just gotten a huge kick out of you. Because I, I find you quite an engaging, nice, smart, funny person. Hmm. Um, I mean, it's just, it's a nice bit of him. That's still with us.
1: He seems interesting. Like, not as a dad. (laughs) Bad dad. But like a kind of cool Rick. And I wish he had been brave enough to just decide to be in my life, because I think we would have had fun going to art shows. I think you would have, too. I would have loved to have gone on a boat. That would have been cool. I would have Instagrammed the hell out of that. Taught him what Instagram was. Like, it would have been fun. And I wish he had been brave enough to decide to be in my life. I wish he had been less ashamed. Me too. That would have been cool, huh?
2: I wish he would have been brave enough to be an imperfect dad instead of pouring all his energy into being the perfect Rick.
1: Yeah. Yes. Thank you for putting that to words. (laughs) If he had ventured onto the other side of that slash, we would have had fun. I let Charlie in on how awful the funerals were for me, hoping, I think, the question inside the question in my temerious little Jan heart, that he could make sense of it for me from the perspective of one of my dad's friends. And then I felt like I walked in and sort of wrinkled the like beautiful bow. Everyone wants to tie someone in after they've gone. You know, you want to mourn someone. I mean,
0: it's just, you know, the, the whole way he died and all that stuff is just terribly, terribly sad to all of us. Yeah. Uh-oh. I mean just by himself.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Didn't want to bother anybody. Mm. Wouldn't call anybody. Because mm. he was he was in trouble. I mean, his throat cancer had come back and was just in bad shape and he he just was stiff upper lip the whole way.
1: Yeah.
0: I never knew that. But yeah. that was going on.
1: That must have felt um I imagine that was a hard thing to have mourned somebody when you realize you could have, you could have been there at the end with them, but they didn't call. Right,
0: right. Or at least, you know, I got a bit of a problem, but, you know, wouldn't let me in the house because he was embarrassed about it. Mm. Um, and it's just like, you know, there was no, none of us had talked to him for several weeks.
1: Yeah. And
0: that was unnerving. It was like, okay, what's going on here?
1: Again, that horrifying scene at the funeral. I've been focused on my point of view. I hadn't considered that his friends might have also been feeling really disoriented too, wondering how come he didn't let us in at the end, the way he died. How come he couldn't tell us that he was dying? That group of characters on the dock, they were reaching too. Yeah, it's occurring to me now that
2: maybe the question that they asked, you know, like, how come we didn't know about you? That was really hard for you to hear at that time it was actually maybe a horrible, horrible phrasing of the sentiment, which is, I wish my friend would have told me that he had a daughter.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. How come he kept us out from his life? How come he didn't let us in when he died? Yeah. They must have felt such a disorientation too. Wow. How come we didn't know about you? What if I could have responded? I don't know why he didn't tell you about me. How strange and painful that must be for you. (laughs) In my conversation with Charlie, still in my, I need answers that are bigger than the questions I'm asking you, I steered him towards motives. Like, why wasn't my dad in my life?
0: My vote would be with embarrassment and feeling inadequate as a provider father. Yeah. And it just kind of got, easier is not the right word, but it became like, you know, you you're busy with the rest of your life. You're busy with sailing. You're doing this and all this stuff, and you just kind of put it out of your mind.
1: Yeah, I can relate to that. Like when this many people say something about a character, you're kind of inclined to recognize a pattern or a trend. Yeah. I think it's the shame that kept him away. I was ashamed of dot 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 myself. The soap opera scene was right.
0: You both missed out. Yeah. Both of you. Him as much as you.
1: Well, I guess, uh, what do you mean?
0: He missed out on, on growing up. and so, I mean, watching you grow up. His own daughter.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think you're very cool. Yeah. And he just missed out. And it's just, it's a real shame that that connection was never made. Because yeah. you would have gotten so much from him. Just so funny, so smart, so wonderful, so, you always learn something with him. And you're always mentally challenged. You just couldn't be slack with him.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I am. Um,
0: and you would have enjoyed that.
1: Yeah, I think I probably would have.
0: Because you're pretty intense.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm, and I he's very intense. Yeah. That's interesting. That's that's a, a, you know, a thing you don't. I don't know what I got from him, so it's interesting to see how much of him
0: you see in me, yeah, I, I see a lot of him in you,
1: hmm.
0: which is a good thing.
1: Rick was intense, and I am intense. I like that. Um I want to go through. this is my favorite thing that I found in his stuff. Um, it was his report card. Oh my gosh. Okay. Last thoughts on Rick. Report of Ricky Tears for term ending May 29, 1951. So So, he would have been five? So is that, is this pre-K? So you start kindergarten at five. Kindergarten. This is kindergarten report card. Okay, you get marks for less than normal, normal, and more than normal. Big muscle coordination, normal. Eye-hand coordination, more than normal. Ooh. Humor, he's normal. Joy, he's more than normal joyful little kindergartner language expression normal mechanical ingenuity more than normal he's a sailor into a sailor you know he can do the the sails and the ropes and the knots dance more than normal music normal art normal interpersonal relationships cooperation and planning normal willingness to follow suggestions normal willingness to take consequences of own actions less than normal mm. <laughs> so on the nose but look at him look at this character rick my dad character Look how consistent he is yeah as a little five-year-old willingness to take consequences of own actions less than normal yeah when we think about the first chapter of his book Mm, the scenes that are foreshadowing his future. Mm-hmm. There's some scene where he knocks over someone's blocks. And the teacher sees him do that. And he won't admit he did it or take except the consequences of his actions. I don't know. I, I kind of love him as a character. Look at his consistencies. Oh, oh. Normal consideration of others. Safety, rights, feelings. Less than normal. Group leadership, initiative, inventiveness, normal. Self-assertion, self-defense, normal. Self-confidence, less than normal. Hmm. Look at my dad, (laughs) the little kindergartner. Look at him. He's great at hand-eye coordination, and he can appreciate dance and have a good sense of humor And the things that he struggles with. His willingness to take consequences of his own actions. A normal consideration of others, their safety, their rights, their feelings, and just self-confidence. That's my dad. That's what he was bad at. Those are his weaknesses. Yeah, just that just checks out throughout everything we've talked about. Yeah. It takes a lot of self-confidence to be imperfect and let people in. My dad died alone completely alone and if we look at that scene of this character's life I wonder if he thought I should have let people in I wish someone was here right now I wish I had a daughter who I had just tried and she could be here holding my hand right now and I could tell her some final things I wonder if he thought I wish I had told my friends this was going on and just asked if someone could come over and be with me or I wonder if he thought Yes, this is what I wanted. No one will ever see me in pain. They'll remember me as perfect. They'll never know. I don't know. But I know which one I'm going to do. This process has been so imperfect. And I don't know what I'm doing, and I'm not always doing it well. But I've let you in. I've let other people in. I'm braver than he was.
2: Yeah. I think that's undeniable.
1: I'm going to die having been known. And having been loved for my imperfections, too. I don't know how I'm going to die, but I will get to be known, which is a gift. I think he would have really liked me. I know I would have been there if he needed me at the end. He would have gotten that had he been braver, and I wish he had been. I hope we all are braver. Do you want to know his play and pastimes indoors? Please. (laughs) Trains, blocks, screws and bolts, puzzles, (laughs) and dramatic play. I love dramatic play. God bless my sweet little baby dad when he was five. I can picture him I can love him. This Rick character. He's just awfully human, isn't he? Robert said that really good characters teach us tremendously what it is to be a human being. I think my dad has taught me tremendously what it is to be a human being. And I'd like to be a different human being than him, but not entirely, though. Some of these things I'll keep with me. So I know how I want to activate all of this, and I can't do it today but I can start. I want to do the funeral for my dad. I was too afraid to do that back in script when Reverend Yoder had, you know, brought it up to me or we we had brought it up as an idea because I was too afraid to do it then because I couldn't think of the perfect thing to say. But now I think that's the best way to honor like our shared hubris is to not think of the perfect thing to say and to not be able to do it perfect and to do it anyway. And I want to honor him. Hello. Hello. Oh, hey. Hello. Hey. Hey, Reverend Yoder. How are you?
2: I'm fine. How are you, Janelle?
1: I'm well. Um, as it turns out, uh, like several years later after we talked last, finally ready to plan my own funeral. Yes. Uh, because um, my dad finally feels like like my deceased loved one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And you talked so meaningfully about them.
2: Time on Untitled Dad Project, Janielle and I do whatever it takes to wrangle her elusive third-act breakthrough.
1: Well, I write it to myself. Now I know that Strawberry Shortcake has the very best of friends.
0: The only things I've ever heard you talk about repeatedly were french
1: fries and pizza. Is spinning shit into gold a happy ending? Because if so, I might accidentally have a happy ending by not trying to find a happy ending. But are, but like... <laughs>
2: but before that, another mini involving cats metaphors, and what falls on the cutting room <makes noise> floor. It'll make sense soon. See you next week.
1: <makes noise> Untitled Dad Project is co-hosted by me, Jeanyelle Kastner, and Carson McCain. By now, I am sure you've already gone to Apple Podcasts and given us stars and a review that's really thoughtful. If you haven't done that yet, we won't know you haven't, so just go do it now. But next, we'd love it if you could share us with one of your friends. Maybe that friend who's going through something right now or could really use some dedicated space and time to breathe and maybe cry. Let them know about us. We'd love to have them. And we'd love to hear how character development is relevant in your life. Who in your life have you been called to look at with a little more nuance? Tell us at Untitled Dad Project on Insta or email us, Untitled Dad Project at spokemedia.io. Your story matters. Untitled Dad Project is a spoke media production and we're produced by Carson McCain with associate producer Kelly Kolf, our sweet baby intern Lauren Floyd, and thanks for the social media assistance, Jenna Hannum. Special thanks to my mom again. And many thanks to Charlie for the hours he spent talking to me and for giving me the gift of a new perspective on my dad. I'm so grateful for that report card and for everything that you put in that box just for me. This episode was mixed by Evan Arnett. Our head of post-production is Will Short. And the music you heard today was composed by the incomparable Rat Rios. Our executive producers are Leah Tavakolian and Keith Reynolds. And thank you for listening. It means the world.